I believe it was the great Michael Scott that said you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. When you bet into the futures market aggressively, you're going to miss some times. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback in January once the results come in. Uh, but taking time to look back on the how and the why of each of the plays are really important. So on today's Move the Line, we're going to look back and see what we can learn from some of our biggest misses in 2022. Let's dig in. Welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by Connor Allen and Sharp Clark. Clark, start with you. Missed you last week. Uh, how are things, my friend? Good. Other than a back injury, getting old sucks. Uh, also, doing deadlifts incorrectly sucks. Uh, but uh, I'll recover. I will be okay. I know how getting older sucks. I got a little bit older this week. Uh, but was joined by my good friend Connor Allen for some delicious uh, dinner and shenanigans. Connor, how are we doing? Yeah, that night got off the rails pretty fast there. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but uh, I'm glad that we went home when we did, to be honest. It was, it, I mean, it was like a Tuesday. So, you know, I can't, I just came back from Vegas right into a birthday on Tuesday. People were asking me to go out for the finals on Wednesday. I was like, dude, I need a break. My body is in shambles right now. And you're young. You start, you should be able to hang still. So I know I can't hang. I know my limits at this point in life. Um, I did not continue on in the evening. Um, you had the easy out built in dad life. I had my wife and my oldest child with us. So it was a very easy exit for me before things went super haywire. But, uh, you know, again, good times had by all. But yeah, getting old, it sucks. It's not great. Uh, yeah, we're going to be here every week leading up to the start of the season. Uh, lots of other original great content here. We've uh, spawned off from our 4 for 4 fantasy football page. We have a new YouTube channel, 4 for 4 Bets. Uh, where we are now. So subscribe so you don't miss a show. Um, we love the support of the free content. So thumbs up, comments in the video go a long way in helping us do that. Jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorites or maybe your worst swing and miss, uh, your favorite one that we had this year. Uh, we'd love to hear from you there as well. Still available in podcast form wherever you download and listen to podcasts. So subscribe there as well. Five stars, thumbs up. Again, all those things uh, go a long way in helping us uh, and supporting the free content. Uh, Connor, we have a new partnership. You talked about it a little bit last week. I'm excited about it. The more I've learned here uh, about this, and, and we have a really exciting promotion here as well. You want to tell the people a little bit about this? Yeah, our friends over at Edge Boost are giving away $2,500 uh, in the next week in just a straight up $2,500 gift card. It's like a Visa gift card. Uh, you know, we were going to do a $200 gift card you know, giveaway. And then they came in and said, Hey, you know what? We're going to make that 2,500. So all you got to do is click the link in the bio, sign up for edge boost. It's free. Uh, if you want to know more about what edge boost is, basically they just will, uh, you know, provide you credit on legal books. Uh, they obviously go through a lot of checks, balances, make sure that it's all good. Uh, it's important gamble responsibly. Uh, that's obviously the key there, but they have a lot of stops in place for that. They're not just going to give you like a $10,000 credit limit or anything it starts at like 200 bucks. So you work your way up, you build credit. I think it's really useful for people who kind of want to use credit in a legal space. So yeah, check the link in the bio, uh, definitely worth it. And if you haven't signed up again, I mean, it's 2,500 bucks. There's not very many people signed up, so I would do it now. Yeah. It's like when we, you know, had promotions in the past with like thrive fantasy, we were doing these thrive contests, you know, and like they were, gpp payouts guaranteed payouts uh no one was in there like right now like you have a chance uh you know we just launched this is brand new not a lot of people are in uh so the you know the pool is pretty small for a uh a shot at free twenty five hundred dollars and you know a pretty exciting way to you know get funded and sometimes that's actually a nice piece when we're talking about futures at this time of year where you don't want to get too far out in front in terms of you know leveraging bankroll to get into the future market knowing that you have to wait 
eight, nine months to get paid out, you know, leveraging credit in that spot is not a bad place to do so. So check it out. Again, links in details in the show notes. Also can find out more about getting a betting subscription at 444. Betting stuff gets you access to everything that we have on the site. Um, if you dabble in any of the pick'em sites like No House Advantage or Vivid Picks, we have uh, channels and plays in there as well. And we've partnered with both of those sites for you to get a, a very, 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 very significantly discounted three-month betting subscription um, with, again, details in the show notes, you know, with uh, No House Advantage or with Vivid Picks. I'm sorry, you can use promo code 444BET. Um, they're going to match your deposit up to $200. But again, it's five bucks. Minimum deposit of $5 gets you three months of a betting subscription. So you can stack these bad boys on top of each other, get you six months. It's going to take you through most of the season. Pretty interesting way to get access to our betting subscription. And again, that's everything on 444. So best ball, DFS, season long, rankings, projections, all the tools that we have on the site available for just $5. Take advantage. It's in the show notes. So um, Clark, this is you know an idea that you had, I think is a really great idea. Um, I'll let you get it started. Again, it's very interested to, to look back and just be like, oh yeah, variance ran poor there, missed it. I'll be better next year. But being able to step back, and I know it's a big part of your process is to really dive in to try to learn some stuff here, right? Instead of just being like, hey, I missed a little bit on you know X team, things happened. Talked about your process and how you evaluate what happened last year, how you can move forward and make that process better for 2023. I think it's really important to, if you care about winning, if your goal is to be a long-term winner, I think it's really important to constantly evaluate your process. And the easiest way to do that is to, when you make a bet, <clears throat> write down the reasoning for the bet, right? You, you, you want to write down the current price, what the bet is, how much you risk, and then the reasoning. And then when the bet settles, well, when the, when the game starts or when the season starts, look to see if you got closing line value. That's a good way to evaluate whether or not you're beating the market. And then once the event is over, look at your reasons for making the bet and then see how they played out versus reality. I think that can be a really good process. And so my first one I want to talk about was uh, I bet the Falcons under five and a half wins at plus 100. This was a very early in the offseason bet and it actually did get significant closing line value because the line closed at four and a half and you could get plus 100 to the over at four and a half. So I could have completely closed out my position with a guaranteed middle at five wins or no loss or I could have just played the ultimate line and guaranteed a profit, but I didn't. And that was a big mistake because I was too bullish on the Falcons. And, and there's, there's a major reason why. And that is because I thought that surely Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota was a significant drop-off and the Falcons were not good with Matt Ryan. Therefore they're going to be even worse with Mariota. And the thing that that take completely missed was that it wasn't a, it wasn't a drop from Matt Ryan. It was a drop from, an aging shell of Matt Ryan who had no mobility behind a mediocre offensive line to a mobile quarterback who can actually make things happen when things don't necessarily go hundred percent correctly. And a quarterback where they're going to lean on the run more because, you know, when you have Matt Ryan, you don't want to run the ball. You want to use your quarterback. And so the team looked completely different. The offense was com completely structured differently and it was a completely new team. And so that, that sort of thought process was basically incorrect. I bet into uncertainty at a very low number going under, and I was wrong. Yeah, you're on mute, Ryan. Amateur hour. I say kudos to Arthur Smith for acknowledging what he had in being able to adapt to the new offense too, right? It was, as you mentioned, kind of a shift in philosophy too. So it ended up being less of a one-for-one -one trade because they really shifted the entirety of, of what they did. 
Um, and again, I this is a 2022 look back. We're back in the same spot of you being very, very bullish on the Falcons for 2023. Different purposes. We'll talk about more of that in different shows. Um, but I think that that's definitely a, a great way to start the show. Connor, back to you for your first one. And, uh, you know, I'm hand in hand with you here. Uh, this was a very popular one in the preseason. And that in itself should probably be alarming. Yeah, not great here. And I think that Matt Ryan was a good segue. I mean, we were pretty interested in Colts to win the division there. And I think that a lot of that is, I mean, there, a lot went wrong. I mean, they finished with four wins, guys. Like they were, they didn't even finish last in their division, but in any other division, they basically do uh, only because they have the Texans in their division. But if we look at this team, you know, we were projecting an upgrade from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. Again, I still really don't think Carson Wentz is very good, but Matt Ryan was really bad, wasn't mobile. Uh, and you know, they weren't really able to do a whole lot offensively. And then you look at defensively, we were expecting an upgrade there. Um, and that just never happened. I mean, the guys that they signed in Gawkway, Stefan Gilmore, just they really never, you know, ended up kind of like helping the defense progress. And I think that goes into some of the volatility that we see year over year with defensive, uh, with defenses, you know, it's like, even if you think that they're going to be a little bit better, I think like, it's just really tough to predict project there. My overall takeaway though, on this one specifically was like, a lot of our reasoning was like, okay, the division sucks and they're the best team, but we don't like love them. And I think that that kind of, and I think there's a common theme after going through my biggest misses is that changes at the quarterback position or big changes just present a lot more variance And that, you know, like my reasoning behind, oh, well, they're the best team in the division and I project them to take a step forward because of these changes isn't necessarily a good one because like there, if there's no continuity, like it's just a lot less stable. And so for me, that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Like, okay, we probably shouldn't have laid any juice on the Colts to win the division. Even though we thought on paper they were probably the best team, there was just like too many changing pieces there to account for. I went back and read some of the stuff that I wrote too because I had written an article about basically the best bet for every team. And the best bet that I wrote for the Colts was for them to win the division. Even in the piece, I'm talking about the flawed perception of the offensive line being elite. And they have an elite talent in Quentin Nelson, but the rest of the offensive line had a lot of question marks. And again, you're talking about a guard being this elite talent and you have, you're bringing in this immobile quarterback. We, again, we're bashing Matt Ryan quite a bit here to start the show. Uh, it was a really poor mix. And also talked about how the secondary pieces in terms of skill position players outside of Michael Pittman were pretty weak. And is Michael, I'm a Michael Pittman stand, but is Michael Pittman really a, like a one you know, one a wide receiver in this league, probably not right. He's he's probably an elite, for a really good team. He's probably an elite too. Uh, so that was also flawed too. We didn't have any secondary pieces come up, and then you have, you know, resting on the laurels of uh, a running back from the year before. Jonathan Taylor goes down, and it just was an absolute mess. You know, Shaq Lawson goes down. It just there were a lot of things that went poorly uh, that kind of collapsed really quickly. Against just trying to draw a straight line from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan was was really flawed. So I, I like how you laid that out there, Connor. Yeah, I also I also think that there's a, a a deeper parallel to be made here, which is basically don't underestimate the negative impact of a immobile quarterback behind a bad offensive line. Like there there needs to be a baseline level of just maneuverability, whether it's within the pocket, just you know, just outside the pocket. We don't need every team to have Lamar Jackson, but your quarterback behind a weak offensive line needs to be able to move. And so we saw the Colts struggle. We saw the Falcons do better than expected. And I think we can project this forward to this year 
and look at a team like the Bucks and say, you guys are going to disagree with me on this because I know you love the under. But the Bucks offense last year, we're going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield, maybe. Um, and Tom Brady was, you know, he didn't move a lot last year. And so that put too much pressure on a bad offensive line and their offense struggled as a result of it. So there's a chance that they may not be as awful uh, if Baker Mayfield has any mobility, which, you know, you can debate on that. Um, and then the other one is the Packers, right? So Aaron Rodgers was more refusing to be mobile. And now they're going to Jordan Love, who might have a little bit more dynamic, uh, you know, running around the pocket or running outside the pocket. So those are two teams where I'm hesitating to have a strong opinion to the negative on uh, because of that dynamic. Yeah, Baker, I don't know about Baker's mobility. I know that Baker fails to read the second and third read and then runs out to the right often. Um, so that looks like mobility, but I don't know that it's necessarily. But again, that's also better to your point. To be fair, better than what Tom Brady could do in that situation, right? He would drill it down to someone's ankles, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, move down. So it's a it's a fair point. I wonder how many times someone needs to make like a compilation of the Baker Mayfield rollout to his right unnecessarily and then just chucks the ball away. Like, I don't, I mean, 25, 30 times a season if he plays the whole year. I mean, it's oh, like but he could throw it so far out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, he is certainly more mobile than, you know, 45 year old Tom Brady. So it's definitely something to look for. Also, Patrick chiming in here. Good luck topping my Matt Rule coach of the year futures. Uh, may those rest in peace. Matt Rule is a donkey. That's an unfortunate one. Patrick. And you were a Panthers guy, though, Noonan. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like the Panthers over, and that almost that hit. You know that hit came that came in. It was a pretty decent year, so I'll be honest. Like you know, I I, I did pretty well in this market, but um, that's not going to sound like the case when I lead with this one. And I just got to get it out to start because it's worse than Patrick's Matt Rule Coach of the Year. Even the guy lost his job, but it turns out that when you have Andy Reid and you have Patrick Mahomes, it really doesn't matter what else is going on there. Uh, Chiefs under ten and a half wins. Uh, is not a good look. Uh, I wasn't alone. There were some leans on the team. We did the AFC West podcast. Uh, it was a lean of some of my peers on the show, uh, though I was more strong in it. I thought that the defense was going to be a real issue. Turns out they absolutely nailed the draft as well. They had massive contributions from first-year guys last year, uh, often the secondary too. So I'm really excited about the Chiefs this year. Uh, those guys can perform that way in year one, what's going to happen in, in year two. Again, the loss of Tyreek Hill, this kind of like band and misfit toys at the wide receiver position, it was enough. Patrick Mahomes is a talent elevator. We were worried to also the tail end of 2021, the performance of Travis Kelsey looked like maybe he was falling off a little bit. Not the case whatsoever. Uh, and they absolutely, you know, again, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league and quarterback matters more than anything. And he elevated uh, everyone around him and will probably continue to do so this year. And the defense is actually now pretty good. And they added some more talent in this draft. And I'm actually really bullish. Uh, I think even 11 and a half on the chiefs over this year is probably the right way to play it. And even though you're laying some juice there, that would be my lean, but yeah. Um, go ahead, Clark uh, chiefs under 10 and a half. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan and I am, you know, the biggest Mahomes stand in the world, right? Um, so last last season was very satisfying for me. I, I I think you just don't bet against Mahomes. Like if you don't like the over, then don't play it. You know, that's that's the philosophy. And I, I've actually adopted that philosophy for years. It's like if my bet is betting against the Chiefs in any significant way in a meaningful game, 
then I just don't, I just don't play it. Yeah. Part of it too, Connor was being a little bit bullish in some of the other pieces and we'll get there here as well. Uh, thinking that the Broncos are making a step forward, you know, being bullish on the chargers. Um, and that was part of the handicap on the chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos wound up being a disaster. The Raiders ended up not being very good. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, kind of a little rib injury, and they never really kind of hit their, I think, peak of what we thought was possible. So you combine all those three factors, like coming into the year, they had like one of the hardest strength of schedules for sure. And I think Clark illuminated that in some of his research as well. But then when you've six of your games, like tend to not be against who you thought you were going to play, basically, uh, I mean, that's a massive shift, you know, like that's, that's significant. So I don't fully blame you. Um, I think that, you know, had those teams panned out, we probably would have been a little bit closer, but still like, I think to Clark's point, I, it's kind of one of the reasons that I hate betting against them just on a week to week basis too. It's like, I think Clark, you bet, you bet lions plus seven, right? Week one. Is that, uh, that was an official, like I, I lean with you, but man, this is, uh, I don't know if that's something I want in my pocket right now. And that's the thing. I feel like that's the, the inflated. I, we hear that like they've been, they've been poor week to week against the number and part of it, I do think that there was a little bit of a public bump on the chiefs because they know the, we want to lean towards Mahomes because holding a ticket against him is rather terrifying. And uh, it just, it, it became pretty clear really quick that he just uh, is, is a difference maker and it just doesn't matter. So Clark's point's correct. It's, it's, it's no, uh, no, is just a no ticket um, or an over basically at this point is my lesson learned on, on Mahomes with Andy Reed here uh, while Travis Kelsey is still, in that lineup as well. So uh, Clark back to you for your second one. This is my most embarrassing one <clears throat> because I bet the, the green Bay Packers to win the division laying minus minus one seventy, uh, which is, which is not a futures bet you make unless you are extremely confident in the results. And the Packers weren't even close. I think they were four games behind the Vikings, five games. I, it was, it was ugly. Um, I, you know, my theory on both the Packers and the Chiefs was that elite quarterbacks don't drop off significantly when they lose their stud number one wide receiver. It turns out it was true for Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers was a completely different story. And I, I mean, there's not really a huge takeaway from this one other than <clears throat> I was just wrong. This was just a bad read on the team. Uh, I mean, injuries didn't help. You know, sure, the Vikings vastly outperformed their actual ability with their record. Um, you know, the Packers, if, if the Vikings hadn't have had all those miraculous wins, the Packers would have been right there. But um, I think the lesson here is that when there's uncertainty and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers with his sort of weird quirks and, you know, insistence on passing to certain guys is going into a season with a bunch of rookies at receiver, um, that is uncertainty. And and when you have uncertainty, you don't want to be betting into high big lines. Like you, you don't want to be overly confident because, this game involves so much variance. It's very, very fragile. So you want to be making anti-fragile bets. And this was the opposite of that. Um, and, and so that, that was my mistake. And that, that was something that I'm going to be taking with me in the future is laying a lot of juice is something I'm rarely ever going to do. And if, if I do, it's got to be a, a, a situation with much less uncertainty than was presented here. Connor, any thoughts on the Packers? Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway, though, just in general, like as a blind, like futures, uh, you know, mantra there, if you're going to lay juice, like you have to feel like, you know, minus 170 needs to be like minus 300 in your book, you know what I mean? Like, and the and there needs to be stability, like, so even if like your, your handicap is like, okay, well, assuming everything is correct, you know, like, it should be minus 300. I think that assumption that everything, you know, is going to stay the same is not always correct. So that's like the thing that where, like you said, there's a lot of volatility, a lot of variance to that. So that's, 
it's a tough one. I mean, I, I would have thought so too, but I think that I was a little bit more bullish on the Vikings, you know, coming into last year. I think we played some over eight and a half early in the off season, something like that closed around nine and a half. But you know, a lot of that, I didn't think that they'd ever win like whatever it was 13 games, 14 games, something like that. So. Yeah, I laid minus 105 on Vikings to make the playoffs, but I didn't really have a play on Packers because we felt that there was you know more volatility in the range of outcomes, and yeah, it's definitely how it played out. I do we were kind of anti this Lions push a little bit, thought that kind of was getting away from us, um, and thought that the Vikings became a little bit underrated. But yeah, they obviously uh, were a unique case in terms of of how that. Uh, plane landed. Uh, Connor, again, I will echo the sentiment. I was piggybacking your second play as well. I took a different iteration of it. Uh, it was very evident very quickly that this was not going to work. Yeah, this. I think this actually might be my worst bet in the last like three or four years. So I bet like occasionally closer to the year, I'll bet a couple teams over points. So like generally I talk about how you don't want to bet uh, a player's over because they can get injured. Obviously like a team, you know, can suffer an injury at the quarterback position, but like, you know, you're still getting the full amount of games. So you're not missing an entire game. So I took the, the Denver Broncos over 425 total points. My rationale, because in 2020 and 2021, 20, it averages out to be 25 points a game. That that's like, you need to be above average. So it's like usually like 15 teams, 14 teams a year are averaging 25 points or more. 2021 only or 2022, only eight teams averaged that many times. And not only did the Broncos not hit that, they scored the fewest amount of points in the league. So they weren't even average. They weren't even <laughs> below average. Literally the lowest points in the league. They ended up with 287. So they were like not even close. Like in the, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at this and I was doing more research and I was like, holy shit, this is the worst bet ever. Like it wasn't even right away. You kind of knew you're like, this is not clicking. Something is not going right here. And just, it never got better. And and not to mention this, like a lot of teams you see who finish at the bottom, it's like, oh, their quarterback got injured. No one big got injured. Like the quarterback was still there. I mean, like, yeah, the receiver's a little banged up, but like it was just the court. It was just everything was fine. So they played one game with Rippin. They, they, Russell Wilson could have scored 150 points in that game. You never know. <laughs> they actually led the league in adjusted games lost due to injury. So they did have substantial injury issues. Uh, but like to your point, so the pieces that we thought were going to drive the result that you bet on were weren't really affected for the most part right like there were some on the defensive side as well some offensive line stuff uh wide receivers but yeah i mean it was russell wilson and it became evident in week one even partially because like and i'll piggyback a slide into i took over nine and a half wins on on uh, the broncos there uh, i also my next one that i'm going to take uh was under six wins on the seahawks and they met in week one and partially my issue was uh, seahawks defense is awful and we see Russell Wilson, who we're expecting to maybe lead an offense that could lead the league in points, couldn't do anything against Seattle right out of the gates. And it became very evident that uh, both of those things might be a problem. And again, going back to similar to Kansas City, turns out Seattle absolutely nailed their draft last year to be able to land bookend tackles. Uh, one in the first round and one in the third round just doesn't happen. Uh, they landed both, you know. Abe Lucas and uh, Charles Cross, like that's a fantastic draft. They had some home runs on the defensive side of the ball. And we were like Geno Smith, Drew Locke. We had no idea what it was going to be. Just a mess, you know, thinking this offensive line has kind of been garbage. Yeah, a change at, uh, you know, position or defensive coordinator. Like the year before, they gave up a like 52% success rate Uh against pass like just awful like historically bad numbers defensively and it looked like they added no talent their best player 
Jamal Adams is essentially like a fake linebacker that they bring into the box. Like they had nothing in the secondary. So yeah, th- that was wrong. Uh, they're going to be good again this year. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, again, I don't know what the, the lesson there is other than like good drafts can happen. Um, you know, guys can, uh, you know, get called and not answer essentially whatever Geno Smith had said that his tagline there about, uh, you know, taking the job by the, you know, the horns and, and made things happen there. But I was ready to bury Pete Carroll as being an NFL coach in this league. And yeah, good for him. He got him back up on the, off the schneid and they were a really good football team. They're going to be good again. Yeah. It's tough to predict them nailing that draft. I mean, those guys contributed materially, even deep in like the fifth round and stuff. Uh, but if you believe in Gina, then you stayed away. <laughs> yeah, I did not. And I did not say I leaned in aggressively and uh, yeah, that did not, that did not work. Well, it's amazing because not only were, were, was Gino good, like he did things that Russell couldn't like, you know, like there was like, just because of his size and like what they were able to do, like he saw the middle of the field better. Like he was like in the big, for what was the first half of the season? He was like amazing. And basically every metric, you know, it was like, he was crushing it. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of those things that not only did I not expect him to be as good, but he was like better in some ways. Well, this showed up in my research that I did related to the Falcons bet in, in that when a team has a long time starting quarterback and they leave, we tend to think of there being a huge drop off, right? So Russell Wilson leaves Seattle, you know, they're rebuilding, they're going to, you know, they're a total mess. Uh, ben Roethlisberger leaves the Steelers, they're rebuilding, they're a total mess. You know, Matt Ryan leaves the Falcons and all of those teams exceeded their win total uh, because the, they weren't downgrading from peak Russell Wilson. Like he had a rough year in his final year in Seattle. So when you're making those team adjustments from one year to the next, you can't just downgrade massively. You have to say, well, the downgrade already started. So to Geno Smith from here. And also we had a couple games with Geno Smith uh, in that year. And he, the offense by my numbers didn't actually drop off from Russell Wilson to Geno, which is one of the reasons why I like that. Um, and I think we just need to, not overplay those downgrades when the guy that's leaving has already, you know, has already declined. And that happened a bunch of times last year. Yeah. That's a great call. Uh, what's your last one here, Clark? My last one isn't, I didn't actually bet it because I was afraid, but I, I was super bearish on the giants. Uh, I didn't bet it because their schedule looked super easy. Um, and there was some uncertainty, but this, this is a mistake I made with both the Vikings and the giants. And that is uh, underestimating what good a new coach can do for a team. Um, in this case, I, I watched all of Daniel Jones' film and, you know, he does not possess the qualities that Josh Allen possesses. And so I saw Brian Dayball going to the Giants and I saw Mike Kafka from the, from the Chiefs going to the Giants. And it's like, we've got a guy who worked with Patrick Mahomes and a guy who worked with Josh Allen who's going to try to turn Daniel Jones into that kind of quarterback where, you know, pass heavy offenses, relying on creation by the quarterback, playing out of structure, all things that I thought would be a complete disaster for the Giants. Um, And it turns out that they didn't do that at all. They designed a completely different offense that was tailored specifically to what Daniel Jones did well and did poorly. They limited the opportunities where he had to create. They, They limited the number of options he had on each play. It was very contained, very, you know, designed run heavy offense. I did bet, you know, po- uh, myself, I didn't post it publicly, but I did bet the Daniel Jones under rushing yards season long prop. I don't know what the number was, but it was over by about week nine. Um, it was a terrible bet. I-, I thought I had injury outs. I had performance outs. Maybe he gets benched for Tyrod Taylor. I had, you know, he's just not that good of a runner outs. 
none of that mattered, right? It basically was, unless he gets hurt, he's hitting this every time. Um, and so my entire read on that offense was wrong. Um, my my narrow conception of what I thought Brian Dable could do with that team was wrong. Um, and I think that's a lesson I want to take forward is like coaching changes can materially impact the way an offense runs. And you should wait to see how that plays out before you make any uh, long-term futures projections and bets based on that. I mean, there was some legitimate talk, though. I mean, I guess not legitimate, but, you know, it was July. It seemed legitimate about Tyrod Taylor potentially starting because Daniel Jones was having some, like, rough days. Like, there was, like, a week straight where it was, like, you know, Daniel Jones playing terrible from, like, every beat reporter. And then the Giants were kind of like, oh, well, you know, we're not committed to Daniel Jones. If if Tyrod's playing better, we'll play him. So, obviously, the bet at that point, you're thinking, okay, well, I have an out for maybe he doesn't even start, you know, like, or all he does do is play a snap. And I think that something switched. And from then on out, like the reports became, I think, average or like, you know, pretty much normal. So it's I, I don't necessarily blame you for that one. But yeah, I think his line was was like 350, 375. And he wound up with around 700 on the year. So uh, his yeah, line this year is 550. And so literally every time I opened my like open bets, it was like the first one. It was like under 370 rushing yards. And he was already at like 600. I'm like, just get rid of this thing, please. <laughs> Uh, hopefully you made up for it a little bit in season. There were some opportunities there for you to capture some uh, Daniel Jones overs once it became clear that he was the guy and was a willing and able runner. Um, I was happy that it worked out. I, he was like my most owned quarterback in best ball. I was drinking a little bit of the, the early season Kool-Aid uh, and that worked out uh, pretty well. Connor, we're also staying in the prop streets for some of yours as well here. What do you got for us? Yeah, it's time to pour one out for the homies. Uh, you know, got a couple here that are really rough. So obviously, Allen Robinson, I uh, bet some alternate overs on him. Uh, and I'm glad that I did take alternate. My theory was right that he had a pretty wide range of outcomes. But that wide range of outcomes was that he was horrible. You, we pretty much knew by halftime of the first game when he saw like one target wasn't getting open. Um, we knew it was over. So that, that was kind of dust pretty much right away. Finished with a pretty terrible season. Uh, he looks just to be cooked at this point. I don't know. I do. I wasn't really impressed with him. Chase Edmonds. Uh, we took a couple of, we didn't take any season long props on him, but I was pretty bullish on him in fantasy. Thought that he had a good chance of, you know, playing a lot. Uh, the offense would be good, which we were correct about. We knew that the one of the running backs would be okay on a week to week basis. Also correct. Turns out Chase Edmonds was like the worst running back in the league by most metrics. So <laughs> You know, that sucks. I thought that he was a little bit better than that. Uh, that that hurt. And then my last one here, uh, bet Brian Robinson 80 to one to win rookie of the year next week. Got jumped, got shot. I mean, that's tough. Uh, then he comes back and plays and it turns out he's just a guy, you know, like he's, they love him because he gets a lot of carries. He's able to kind of take the workload, but I don't, I don't think anyone thinks he's really good. He's just kind of there. Sees a lot of work. Uh, I think I'd say he's fine. 80 to one. I don't think it was terrible, but obviously the run out on that with literally the next week of him getting shot was an unbelievable beat, I would say. And thank God he's okay. Clear, clarify. Thank God. He's yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that was, that was tough. Did get in the mix though, towards the tail end of the year. Like it was, it was, it came back. We had uh, a heartbeat in that one a little bit. Yeah. I mean, definition of, losing closing line value right there. I think he closed like 20 to one 20, you know, so I got like what 60, 60 points of closing line value, baby. Let's go. Feed your wife a nice steak dinner with that. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Line to finish. I, I kind of goes back to a little bit what we talked about last week when we had Jack Miller on is just like, even if you feel like you have a massive edge or, or picking off a bad line, it's really hard to go over in a season long prop, there are so many outs and I took an over on Cooper cup, 1300 and a half receiving yards. 
Uh, he's coming off of a 1,900 and change receiving yard season the year before. He had 813 receiving yards through eight games. So we are trending nicely here. But it's a season-long prop, and part of the out is not performance-based. It's injury-based. Uh, the offensive line collapsed. They had cluster injuries, and he went down with an injury, and there were talk – that he could come back. They were in no rush to rush him back for a team that, you know, wasn't even rushing the quarterback back. They, you know, brought Baker Mayfield in. There was no use in bringing Cooper cut back to salvage whatever was left of that season. So again, we were on pace to crush it. You know, that pace again, we would have had a winner in week 14, but because of uh, injuries, you know, the handicap could have been correct. Our projection was trending to be the right number, but again, this is kind of the nature of season long props and why, you should really, really, really lean heavy. You know, I'm guilty of it. I will lean definitely more so than Connor on overs in season because I feel like you could find matchups and advantages, and I should probably continue to find ways to lean under even more so in season. But, man, season-long props, really hard and a very tough sell to buy overs, um, again, knowing that you need full health and, you know, in instances like this, peak performance as well. The there was such a sweaty over that we hit on Adam Thielen. We've had over 700 receiving yards. He played every single game and and went over by like 50 yards or something. It was like the last two weeks he got the over. I mean, in hindsight, like that's not even a good. It was a bad bet. Like in hindsight, like I, we won, but I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, dude, terrible, terrible decision. He was just washed. He can't get open. Uh, I mean, like, oh uh, yeah. If it, it grosses me out, but I'm glad we cashed it at least. Yeah, it's just there's just so many ways it can go. Like I said, we had the right. Uh, process here again i think our projection was 1600 so we were looking for building in some regression off of a historic season but again like the, knowing the competition was garbage clark it was it seemed like a really good spot and it seemed like it was happening but again i don't know that you don't dial too much into the prop uh market in in preseason or in season but again i feel like this is driving this home for me on the underside i don't know about you yeah yeah i mean it it's tough, right? Because the the sort of injury risk is baked into the price. So it's always going to be a little bit lower than your full game projection. Um, and so there kind of has to be, for me, it's like there has to be a performance-based angle as well as the other angles. Otherwise, you get what I got with Daniel Jones where it's like, yeah, he's going over every time he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> um, also, I want to shout out to Patrick in the chat. He, he, he mentioned that the when we were talking about the Packers, not, not laying a bunch of juice – uh, they're actually a good bet this year because of the uncertainty with love. And I, I totally agree with that. I think that division is wide open. Um, and I, I, there was a five to one on DraftKings available, uh, you know, as recently as last week, I haven't checked it this week, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a good look. Yeah. We're running into that a little bit here with like the Jaguars where I feel like the Jaguars are now the Colts of last year, where there's this massive yeah. consensus that the Jaguars are the best team in that division. The other three teams are all kind of, middling they're dealing with multiple rookie quarterbacks and um you know i think the jaguars are the right side but now like the win total number is chasing out to a number that's a little bit difficult to swallow in terms of laying the juice um yeah the schedule got, is brutal it's yeah there's this is you got to look for these in moving forward right taking these lessons and pushing them through the 2023 yeah if you got the minus 120 on the jags division when it opened then i think that's a great bet yeah now it's 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 too it's too steep yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, they're going to lose some games they shouldn't. Like, there's enough holes on their roster that, I mean, Trevor, I think Trevor Lawrence is awesome. He's the, I would say, the the biggest differentiator between, like, kind of like the Colts of, like, just being what we thought to be a good team of last year versus, like, this year where the Jags are basically just Trevor Lawrence. And then, I mean, they have some guys, but, like, you know, they still have plenty of holes. So, 
I think that's the diff- a difference. But I mean, it still lends to like you can't just rely on him to win every single game. You know what I mean? Like, but they they can beat anyone too. I think that they can. They are very yeah. capable of beating almost anyone in the league on a yeah. one game basis. Yeah, just like they beat the Colts when the Colts were a playoff team and they were a three win team. Like, right, <laughs> things can reverse, right? Yeah. Good lessons. So, uh, again, you know, if you didn't listen last week's uh, episode, again, uh, YouTube or in the podcast feed, you can check out what we talked about with uh, Jack Miller there of ETR last week. We each gave out uh, a lean for a prop, and we mostly talked about the process of props, uh, both in season and season long. I think that's a good uh, evergreen listen for folks to go back to. So, good stuff here, gentlemen. Appreciate that. As always, again, you want to, you know, Got to look back in the process um, in, and be able to really evaluate. And I think that that's something that Clark's really, I think, uh, at least personally, helped me with moving forward um, and hopefully can help you as listeners to make notes, track everything, understand the why. You know, Connor and I have talked about this offline a lot. You know, there are other sites out here that are uh, in the pick giving uh, space and don't do anything in terms of letting you know the why behind the pick. That's okay. If you can win and prove that model over time, I think that that's fine. And it's up to you as the consumer if that's something that you're comfortable with. I think part of what we do, and I take pride in it, of what we do as a team, uh, whether it's a a prop or a uh, team level bet, we're sharing the why in great detail as to why we are landing on that number. And that gives you the option as the customer to tail or to you know add your own insight and be like i disagree with that there and i'm not going to blindly tail that line so um hope that that is something that you find valuable and something that i think that our current subscribers do find valuable and that we'll continue to do because i think it's really important to understand the why and how we landed there versus just like hey it's a hunch i like this number you know everyone else sucks so i gotta bet the jags like take it uh i just not not gonna be how we do business here at 444. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, all those things. We'll be back again in this space next week. So for Connor and Clark, I'm Ryan. Thanks, everyone.